0: And welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm pleased to have on as our guest Amanda Steeman, MS, LCSW. She's a licensed therapist and owner of Fundamental Growth, a therapy, coaching, education, and consulting business based out of Los Angeles, California. Her background in psychology, education, outdoor and therapeutic recreation, and athletic coaching has led her to develop a unique way of supporting healing and growth. She takes people off the couch and out into the natural world to help them connect more deeply with themselves others, and something greater. She also uses mindfulness, movement, and body awareness, creativity, and play, along with more traditional therapeutic methods to address each person and group's specific concerns and goals. She brings a fresh approach to well-being that reminds us that life is an adventure and can be beautiful and rewarding, even if it's challenging at times. Today, we talk about her work with Urban Outdoor Therapy. Welcome, Amanda. Welcome. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Yeah. So you are a therapist. You're an LCSW who works specifically with urban outdoor therapy.
1: Yes. Tell us what that is. (laughs) You're right. Urban outdoor therapy is essentially like doing regular talk therapy in an office for the most part, except I meet with my clients outdoors. And since I live in Los Angeles, California, I meet with my clients in different larger urban parks throughout the city. So it's kind of like wilderness therapy or ecotherapy are also names that goes by. I can just use the term urban outdoor therapy. I feel like it gives a more encompassing description of like what it is that I'm actually doing.
0: And I would assume your clients seek you out because of this. It's something that they're already curious about or thinking that that would be really helpful for them.
1: To some degree, I definitely get referrals from either psychiatrists or medical doctors or other therapists that are like, I think this could be really beneficial for you. And then clients will contact me. I think I've very rarely gotten a client who said I Googled, Outdoor therapy, you came up, but I do tend to get a lot of, for whatever reason, I guess I pop up for like ADHD and anxiety, which makes sense because I find that the tools that I use with my clients and the outdoor therapy tend to be really effective with those types of diagnoses. So it's like kind of hit or miss. A lot of times I get people who are just looking for help with specific symptoms and then I let them know that that's an aspect of the therapy that I do. And a lot of times they're very much like, Oh, that sounds super interesting. Like right. Exactly what I need. (laughs) So you have an office as well as your outdoor office. I don't anymore. Actually I used to when I first started doing this and then almost everybody wanted to meet outdoors. Um, and the ones that didn't, we switched to virtual even before the pandemic, I was doing some virtual therapy. And so it ended up being, I never had to use my office and given rent places in Los Angeles, I just decided to do away with it. And so now I just let my clients know that we can either meet virtually and or outdoors and most the outdoors. I think especially now, given how much time indoors and not connecting with others that we've all been through in the last few years, I think they really like the option of being able to do something different and kind of mix up their day. Well, you had mentioned the tools that you use and I know it's
0: probably, there are many tools and they're pretty complex, but I would love if you could just summarize some of the tools that you use in your urban outdoor therapy that might be different or or unique maybe
1: versus more basic therapy. Sure. Yeah. So I think, like I said, in the beginning, a lot of it really is kind of like the typical talk therapy you'd expect in an office just while being outdoors. Often movement is incorporated. Sometimes my clients just want to sit under a tree or on a park bench. And that's fine too. But a lot of them do like kind of the hiking aspect. I've done some surf therapy too. So being actually out physically moving is definitely different. What I find to be the most helpful with my clients is that sort of experiential aspect of the therapy that we don't always get sitting in an office or virtually where I can talk about with a client all day long or for weeks, if they're depressed or feeling really anxious, you know, exercise and moving your body and paying attention to how it feels would really be helpful in this way and this way. And they're like, yeah, that makes sense. And they come back and oh, I didn't get outside at all or didn't move my body. And, and it's like, okay, it's all right. Well, let's start smaller. Whereas what I found I meet with my clients outdoors and they actually get that experience in real time with me talking about it and doing it, that they come back the next week and they're like, I went to the park three times this week. And The first few times that happened, I was just mind blown because I was like, this never happens with my clients in the office to that extent anyway. And just over time, I started to realize, oh, it makes sense because when we actually do something that we're learning about, as we're learning about it, it's much more salient and it's stuck in our brains and it's easier to translate that to everyday life. And so that's a huge part that I find really helpful. The basis of all the therapy that I do is mindfulness, too. So, I work with my clients a lot on how to bring them back to the present moment, particularly in dealing with uncomfortable situations or just distress in general. And I found like nature and being able to move in nature can be really helpful for setting up experiments around that. So, like, sometimes I'll have my clients run up a hill or some steps to or even walk up if they're not that physically active. And at the top, everybody's like breathless and kind of feeling some symptoms that you might experience if you were to have some intense anxiety or a panic attack. And then we can actually in real time work on some skills and kind of a safer setting that can help outside of our sessions if they were to encounter those, those symptoms again. And it just seems to be a lot more effective in terms of like, oh, okay, I can do this. And they leave sessions with that confidence because they have done it and they're able to translate that more easily and their brains make those connections. I've done some research in, in the area around this, but there's not a ton. So my theory is that it's essentially retraining our brains and reconnecting neurons to be like, Oh, this is how I respond in these situations versus the automatic behaviors that they were coming in with that were more problematic. It's interesting, you're kind of bringing up different cases of how this could be really helpful. Like you think
0: about the very depressed person who the benefit of being in therapy outdoors and moving is like, you're not just sitting in an office with your clinician, right? You're outdoors, you're moving, you're talking. I mean, you get so many different benefits from so many different angles, right? And like you said, I love how you talked about this idea. And then it maybe this gives them more motivation to do it outside of session as well. Mm hmm Uh, And then the exposure piece about anxiety and tolerating distress is really helpful. I mean, also this idea of the mindfulness, just being out in nature is just helpful.
1: 100%. A lot of the research I have done in this area and in grad school that I did a lot of research on was the neuro, like biological benefits of it. So like through brain scans, they can actually see the brain healing from access to green space. And that was kind of part of the reason I got into this was... I'm living in Southern California. Why am I not taking advantage of every sort of healing possibility that there are as many as I can fit into a session. And I can literally see in particularly like with ADHD clients or really highly anxious clients, you kind of just see the calm come over them and the ability to slow down and re-regulate versus I feel like in more like man-made types of situations where the brain doesn't kind of get that opportunity to just rest. So I joke with my clients sometimes like, I don't even know if I'm a good therapist or not, or if like nature is doing a lot of the work, but either way, I feel like it's a really good partner in terms of mental and emotional healing and growth.
0: Right. Well, I also think there might be some difficult parts about this, right? I'm thinking about the privacy part of it. What do you tell your clients about that and how do you navigate that?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I obviously always talk to them about the fact that we're going to be out in public. In which case that takes away just some of the natural privacy and confidentiality protection that occurs behind closed doors. Although what a lot of my clients have said, and and I didn't think about this at first, and and now I also kind of put this into my spiel. Nobody really knows who I am. I'm not like this famous (laughs) therapist or anything. So if I'm out walking and talking with somebody, we don't get close to other people. I make sure to meet in parks where they're pretty wide open. We can go on different trails or or different parts if there's a lot of people around and tend to meet more during times when people aren't really out using the parks anyway. So no one really knows what we're doing. I mean there's trainers and people out with their friends all the time in parks and there's no name on an office to say my credentials where you know the people coming in and out the door probably why they're there. So some of my clients have just like, maybe there's more privacy and confidentiality. I don't know that that's true. And I would never advertise it as that by any means. But we just talk about, you know, what if you saw a friend or somebody passes us and says hi or whatnot? How do we want to handle these situations? And actually, it's weird. Sometimes when I work with socially anxious people, it's actually kind of handy to be out with other people. And having them practice some of the social skills in terms of saying hi to random people going by who, again, have no idea what we're doing or that's like kind of part of the work. If there's really private information or a lot of trauma type of stuff that they don't feel comfortable processing outdoors, we'll do a hybrid of virtual and outdoor sessions. I've actually been really surprised at how open and healing for trauma patients it has been. I really thought most of them would not Want to meet outdoors at all until maybe we processed a lot of the trauma. But a lot of them say it's actually really helpful and feels safer for them to kind of talk about it in that environment, which I was surprised. But I always have them sign paperwork too in terms of if you share these things, they could be overheard by others given where we're at. But generally, I try to be pretty strategic about if I know they're about to share something kind of intense, like we're not where anybody else is at. And so far, it hasn't been an issue.
0: Yeah. I also think about just the logistics of your job. It's like, are you on the same hike every day? (laughs) How many miles do you get in on your uh, Fitbit here?
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. That's funny. I don't even have a Fitbit, so I don't know exactly. Some days, yeah, some days I'll have six to eight clients ish in a row. I space them out a little bit so nobody's running into each other and kind of try to vary the hikes to a certain degree. So, yeah, it depends. It definitely depends on the day. And sometimes clients just want to sit too. So you get little breaks in between. It <laughs> also sounds so therapeutic and helpful for you as a clinician because you're out in nature.
0: You're, It just seems so satisfying in terms of watching the way that people change in this different environment, but also for you to be able to just be exposed to nature like that in your workday.
1: A hundred percent. I was just telling a friend this recently, I noticed a visible physical difference in terms of how I feel after a bunch of sessions online, or even when I was in office versus outdoors, I feel rejuvenated and motivated at the end, as opposed to kind of drained. And so that's a huge reason I do it too, is kind of that mutually beneficial experience. I think it's, I was realizing recently too, it's nice because I know I'm having a similar experience to them as we're going through this, even though it's focused on them and obviously like the talking part of what they're struggling with and what we're working on is all geared towards them, but I'm definitely getting some of those natural benefits too. So it's nice because I feel like that helps our connection in a lot of ways too. I totally know what you're feeling right now because I'm feeling it too. We're talking about outdoor therapy, but I also think, how is that different from Eco therapy. It's the same. You know, I think the semantics of it, people are still sorting out because it's kind of a newer, or I mean, I shouldn't say it's a newer therapy. I actually found out recently it's pretty well established, just in much smaller quantities. Like not many people were doing it, but it's been going on for a while. I actually got my start or kind of realized this was a possibility about 20 years ago when I was working as a counselor with adjudicated youth in an outdoor program. And that kind of spurred my mind toward like, well, why aren't we doing this? in like adult. And child outpatient therapy, like if we're, you know, we're kind of just using it with this very specific group of people and it's really effective, wouldn't it be helpful for everybody? So the research I've found is some people will use the terms interchangeably. Some people will designate kind of like ecotherapy, just with different definitions. Some of it's just meeting outdoors. Some of it's more focused on using the environment as part of the tool in terms of talking about like climate change and things like that which I will do with my clients sometimes if, if they come in with like climate change, anxiety, or worries about that. I don't use it as like a platform to advocate beliefs one way or the other, or you should get out there and save the planet. Like that's not my purpose with it, but it definitely notice that that will come up sometimes. And what I'll do that I think is probably more standard or, or historically typical ecotherapy is definitely talk about when we talk about how they're feeling as a result of meeting outdoors, the connection piece of connecting to our environment and how we affect our environment our environment affects us and using that to kind of talk about the planet and how do we take care of not just ourselves, but what's around us. And then kind of using that as a branching off point too, to like the relationships with people. And I find it in general to just be a really great tool to talk about connection in general, which I feel like is often why people come to therapy is they're really feeling like they're just not connected to something. And I think through like the eco therapy, they get that experience of being connected more deeply to themselves, to others in their life. And then also just something greater, however they choose to define what that is. I mean, there's just so much
0: richness to this.
1: Yeah. It does feel like just a really, I know we all talk about like holistic <laughs> treatments and stuff, but it really feels like a naturally organic holistic experience of like, oh, okay, yeah, this is how life is supposed to be. And this is how I can feel. And here's some ways to do that.
0: This is making me want to move my office to the outdoors.
1: (laughs) I will say with the rain in LA recently, it probably was a little bit difficult. Yeah. It's funny. Sometimes people like meeting in the rain though, even, and I'm always like, that's awesome. If they don't totally understand too, but
0: one question I have is if, I mean, we're obviously going to have your information on the episode description. So if people in LA specifically, and want to learn more about the work that you do, they can easily find that, but any ideas of, you know, if someone's like, hey you
1: know, I would love to find a therapist who does this sort of thing. How do they do that? How do they find that? You know, that's a really good question. I know there's like a couple organizations and I can send them to you too, so that can be posted, but I don't know that there's a full out directory necessarily. And I think part of that is it's not, I know there are certifications for ecotherapy. I'm pretty sure there are. I don't know that there's like a standardization to that necessarily. I mean, I don't have any sort of extra certification aside from just graduate work that I've done in the area. But I don't know that they have a listing, like if you were to Google like EMDR therapy or DBT, where it's like, here's all the people certified in in this, that there's definitely resources and tools through there that I'll share. Otherwise, I'd say I would just suggest Google the city that you live in, ecotherapy, outdoor therapy. A lot of people are kind of branding themselves since the pandemic as walk and talk therapists. Which, I mean, I think it's probably very similar personally, but I don't know that they would consider themselves ecotherapists necessarily. But you'd still have somebody who's meeting outdoors and I'm assuming using very similar tools. Yeah, and it feels like also maybe word of mouth. I mean, it's easy to ask the therapist that you're seeing, like, do you do this? When I was in grad school and kind of doing all this research and submitting papers, a lot of my professors were like, What is this? Like I've never heard of it. And like this isn't, you know, even some backlash a little bit, I would say, of, well, that's not really social worker therapy. And now, especially since the pandemic, I'm hard pressed to find a therapist who hasn't done it, at least to some extent, because at a certain point, it was the only way they could start to meet with their clients in person. And I think they had very similar experience to when I first started doing it. Oh, there's something to this more than I thought than just getting people to be able to meet in person again. Right. So I have a feeling it's going to be something that's utilized a lot more yeah. moving forward. Yeah. Well, I'm
0: so glad you were on. So glad to learn about this. It also makes me think when I'm on my hikes, I wonder how many people are in therapy. <laughs> when I pass, who knows? But it's also, you think about it when you see people hiking together, you often connect in a different ways. So it's not that unusual, maybe, to talk about those sorts of things. And it seems like someone's just hiking with their friend.
1: Definitely.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll make sure all those resources are on the episode link. And thanks for
1: being on. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was nice chatting with you. Yeah.
0: This has been Mind Stories with me, Josephine McNary of Cal Psychiatry. With online psychiatry in California and 13 offices throughout Southern California and the Bay Area, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, ADHD, anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com and let us help you get back to your true self. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories, and don't forget to subscribe.